Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports Nef. I'm not even a fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Um, so I did say that uh, I was going away for two weeks, uh, which has been true um, out here in Italy for uh, the next 10 days or so. Um, and I did warn that, um, you know, the podcast content might not necessarily come. However, it was one of those situations where the timing kind of lined up. And, um, you know, there was an opportunity here to watch the Raptors take on the Utah Jazz in preseason uh, in Edmonton, no less. Uh, great crowd, by the way. Uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for the Raptors to, to expand their outreach uh, across Canada. Um, the crowd was electric. At least that's what it seemed like through the VPN on my phone as I watched the stream of this game on SportsCenter, of course. And, um, yeah, um, you know, the Raptors themselves put on a pretty good show for them. I mean, first off, like Utah is like, obviously they're in a rebuild, right? They, they tore down their team. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell's gone. Rudy Gobert's gone. Even Boyan Bogdanovich is gone. Like, the way you look at Utah's roster – it's very much like, a, oh, he's on that team? Oh, he's on that team? Like, the way they're built is is basically like the rack on a, at a Zellers. You know, they're basically built like a Zellers. And, and they even have a guy named Zeller on the team. That's right, Cody Zeller's on this team. So it's like, you know, obviously you were expecting to beat them, you know, even this being preseason. But you know, the Raptors still came out and, and really did put on a good sh- uh, show here. I mean, final score, 114-82, to 82, um, you know. It's, it doesn't really need to be said beyond that. Obviously, it, the large portion of that came in the third and fourth quarters, which was mostly the second, third, and fourth stringers for the Raptors. And I got to say, man, even the fourth stringers are looking good. Like, a lot of the, the fun in this game was watching in the fourth quarter in the last six minutes or so when you got to see guys like Josh Jackson um, – you know, uh, getting a few buckets or, you know, you get to see Jeff Doughton in a Raptor uniform and, um, you know, continuing his, his strong play from summer league, you know, seeing Gabe Brown trying to poster somebody or that, you know, uh, quick release that he has with the left hand, um, you know, shooting from deep or DJ Wilson, you know, hitting threes or pull up jumpers. Like, it, it, you know, even the third triggers are looking good. So again, like, um, it was just a good showcase. I mean, I think that's mostly what it was. It was mostly a showcase. It's the first game of preseason. It's against a team that, again, has just one of the most randomly as- assembled rosters I've ever seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, good, 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 fun game. Um, you know, in terms of, like, important takeaways, I, I really would caution, just caution just to take too much away from any of this stuff because, again, like, um, it, it is preseason. Um, but you know, of course there are trends that people want to watch, right? There are always trends that people want to watch. And, um, you know, even on a team like the Raptors who Otto Porter wasn't playing, apparently he suffered a hamstring injury during training camp. And so, uh, you know, Nick's, uh, characterization was that he's not, might not play for a while. And so without him on the roster, it's literally the same rotation that we've kind of become familiar with uh, last season, right? So there's not too much different. Like, for example, the starting five is the exact same. I know there was some talk of maybe Precious gets in the starting five. Honestly, Precious played great today. I'm going to spoil alert. Precious didn't get the first star for me. Um, but, yeah, the starters were going to be the same. Not not a surprise. And, and you know, even watching the way they operated was pretty much the same. Like, uh, you know, offensively. It was a lot of mismatch hunting. Um, when you have five guys who can 
create like to all to certain degrees right but you know it wouldn't surprise you if og created a couple of shots here or there it wouldn't surprise you if scotty did that you know and it definitely obviously wouldn't surprise you if, if, if natural scores like gary fred and, and and pascal did that um you know there is going to be mismatch hunting and especially on a, in a game like this i mean there are different ways the raptors could have attacked like for example pascal could have just attacked laurie Markin and straight up uh, Mark played great, by the way. Um, you know, salute to him, continuing his strong uh, Eurobasket performance. Honestly, he he had some ridiculous games for Finland. Um, it took him quite far in the tournament, which you know, for for that country is, um, you know, without that much basketball pedigree, I, I thought Laurie did really well. So it, it was he was sharp, but you know, Pascal has traditionally been very eager to attack Laurie Markkinen. Let's just say a, a specific mind is standing out to my in my mind. Um, you know, uh, the end of last season, the Raptors were playing the uh, the Cavaliers, and it was a pivotal game, basically a must-win in terms of if you don't want to go to the play-in tournament, you better win this game between these two teams who are both at that time in contention for a play-in. And Pascal dropped like 35. Uh, a lot of that was against Laurie Markkinen. So that's the way they could have attacked. You know, they attacked a lot through OJ Anobi attacking Kelly Olenek. Obviously, Kelly's foot speed isn't great, um, and he's 30-plus now. And so... Uh, you know, OG was able to attack there, but you know, a lot of it was just smooth kind of things. Like even Gary Trent Jr., who would not be characterized as somebody who is like a willing passer or uh, even like a over eager passer. You even saw instances where like, you know, he, Gary will come off of a screen. Uh, he'd be handling the ball and he got a screen from Scotty and the Jazz switched it. And so you got like a Malik Beasley, a, a, a typical shooting guard. Um, against Scotty and Scotty rolls, uh, pins Malik on his back, and Gary immediately feeds him with a quick uh, entry pass into the post, and they're able to attack through that mismatch. So the offense, you know, is not surprising. It was a lot of mismatch hunting. It was a lot of Scotty and, and Pascal initiating. Honestly, in this game, you saw a lot of OG initiating as well, just again, because he had the mismatch against Kelly. And that's kind of the way the Raptors have played traditionally. Like when you look at even the shot totals, um, from the starters, you know, obviously these guys didn't play a lot of minutes, right? Fred played 10 minutes. Uh, Gary played 18. Pascal played 15. OG played 15. Scotty played 17, like quite low, right? But the shot distribution was pretty even. The only guy that stands out is really Pascal. And that's what he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be initiating. Today, by the way, I thought he was not very sharp. There's not too much to take away from Pascal's game, but that's just the way the Raptors kind of... Um, want to approach these games and it's not dissimilar from what we saw last season um you still probably would like to see maybe a couple more like not even set plays but just sort of bread and butter plays you know like it's not like the offense is going to look similar like three four five trips down the floor um it's again a lot of like screening reacting to what the defense does are they switching it are they trapping it are they dropping or you know whatever they want to do are they hedging and the Raptors kind of playing from that, um, you know, their offense is very much dictated based on what the defense sort of does and trying to counter that. But, you know, again, not, that's not surprising. That's very similar to what they did last season. I thought defensively, at least to me, the rotations looked fine. Um, you know, there were moments for the starters where they started getting sloppy, which was um, strange, I guess, in the context of what they would normally do, but not strange in the context of this being a preseason game in Edmonton. Um, so... You know, Fred turning the ball over, just trying to dribble into traffic, or Gary trying to set up his uh, mid-range jumper getting stripped, and 
jazz going the other way like that kind of stuff you just don't usually see those are very those are two very low turnover guards um but yeah in terms of the execution of the defense i thought it was fine i thought um look marketing gave them some problems um you know he's he's he was very very sharp he was able to score inside and out some of that in transition uh hit some threes as well again he's just a talented player but um I thought the rotation was pretty strong. Like, you know, I, I thought guys were sort of picking each other up when, you know, somebody had to to rotate for someone else. The person who was sort of behind on a play would sort of skip a defender or, and, and go into the corner or pick up the next guy and the next guy. Like, it, it was pretty good. Like, I, even the, the Jazz's first two threes, one from Mike Conley and one from uh, Jared Vanderbilt, first two threes for the game for the Jazz, they were both heavily contested looks. And, and you're kind of going to live with some of those, especially when you have six nine guys with seven foot wingspans closing out of those guys. So uh, starters look solid. I, I know they didn't really create the separation in this game. Um, you know, it was only a one point uh, advantage for the Raptors at halftime, but I thought the starters played well, a couple shots sort of rimming in and out for guys like Pascal, um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Scotty, but again, like, you know, they, they played well, I have really no complaints. Um, you know, I, I thought a couple of points of emphasis for the Raptors that you're probably very familiar with. Uh, number one, ball pressure, right? So you, you start to see things like Fred Van Vliet digging into Colin Sexton at half court. That's right. The Jazz have Colin Sexton as well. Um, obviously coming from the Donovan Mitchell trade. Um, but yeah, like Sexton was just trying to initiate a play from 35 feet out and Fred is all up in his jersey. And this is like, I don't know, man. Maybe the it's Sexton, I think, came off the bench in this game. Yeah, he came off the bench, right? So, um, no, he didn't. He started this game. Did he start? No, he came off the bench. He came off the bench. Um, so this is like, I don't know, man. Maybe the third or fourth time Sexton has touched the ball this season, this preseason. He's in Edmonton. He just got traded. He's wearing a jersey that looks like someone put highlighter on a blackboard and wrote Utah in a very plain font. Uh, and there's Fred VanVleet in his jersey, forcing him to turn a couple of times, and he's able, he, and he dribbles out of bounds, and, and Fred's yelling, and the crowd's getting into it, and him and you know Colin are having a smile about it, and stuff like that. Like it's you know the ball pressure is there though. Like you can joke about it, but the ball pressure is there. That's like setting the tone, right? And you know even a couple of plays before that, Scotty Barnes is pressuring. I forget who it was, maybe Vanderbilt. Um, not a very strong ball handler. Again, well above the three point arc, well beyond the range of somebody wanting to shoot from there. And uh, Scotty forces the turnover again, five, six feet above the three point line. Um, and so, you know, you saw some of the harm, ha- hallmarks of what the, the Raptors want to do. You saw things like the Raptors attacking the offensive glass, right? Like, you know, um, what did they get today? 13 offensive rebounds. That's honestly a little bit low, but to be honest, they stopped missing shots basically from uh, the second half onward. So there weren't as many opportunities for a uh, second chance um opportunities but yeah guys like chris boucher was getting on the glass guys like uh you know kem birch by the way kem, man kem birch was was very lively on the offensive glass um but i guess i'll talk to, about kem in a, in a second um what else you saw that was characteristic with the raptors um oh the 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 super big lineups right like pascal scotty og precious boucher that was the starting lineup uh for the start of the second quarter and it's it's weird. It, it's it's weird. Um, you know, I, obviously we've seen that lineup last season. Um, not so much with OG in that three slot. A lot of that was Thad with that group, but essentially like a version of that lineup where you had Scotty and Pascal as your main initiators. Your sort of like um, 
primary ball handlers, uh, and then you have Precious and, and and Chris, you know, and sort of filling out and OG spacing out and making a couple plays, and it's just, you know, even though we've seen it, and even though I thought that was one of the Raptors' best lineups last season down the stretch, even against the Sixers uh, for for a lot of periods, that was sort of how they looked the best as a group. Um, it just looks weird. Like, for example, the one possession stood out to me, right? Uh, second quarter, you got Precious Achua collecting the miss, and he brings the ball up himself, right? Not not looking for the point guard, not looking for anything else. Precious is going to rip down the rebound. He's functionally the center in this group because I believe he was the one guarding Walker Kessler. Or honestly, man, who is on this team for Utah? Every single player, I'm like, what? But anyway, um, so he's guarding their center. He rips in the rebound. He, he brings the ball up, Right. Tries to, you know, tries to push the break. There's no advantage. Utah gets back. So he resets. He kicks it to OG at the top of the floor. Um, OG is dribbling one way, dribbling the other way, um, and, and looking for the dribble handoff. But really, he eventually makes the read that, like, oh, yeah, Kelly Olenek's guarding me. So he takes Kelly off the dribble, uh, gets into the lane, draws an extra defender, and that's when Chris Boucher is able to duck in from the weak side for a layup. And... You know, when you describe this, well, when you hear this described, it, it doesn't sound that strange. But when you really think about it, you have your five bringing the ball up off the floor. Uh, you have OG, who is not even one of your primary ball handlers, just attacking a mismatch because that's not necessarily the play the Raptors called. It was just like a read, an instance of like who has the advantage to play through that guy. And then Chris is able to duck in for an easy layup because he's getting guarded by Mike Conley on the other team. Mike Conley is like 6'1", 6'2". Right, six two at best. Honestly, he's a, he's a small point guard, um, you know. And yeah, what is a small point guard supposed to do in that scenario? Like, who else are you even guarding? Like, you're not guarding Scotty. Scotty's instantly posting up. You're not guarding Pascal. He's instantly posting up. I guess you could guard OG, but probably not. OG is very very strong in the post. You're like, okay, maybe I'll just hide here on Chris Boucher. He's the one guy who's probably not going to take me off the dribble. And then boom, he just he ducks in. It's like, yo, on a cut, what are you supposed to do? It's not like Conley's going to get in there and jump and break up the pass, especially because it was coming up high. I don't know. And, and so Chris gets an easy layup off that. And whatever. It's not even that, like that lineup like dominated the, 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 the Jazz. I think they probably played to an even standstill. But it's a nice reminder of like, wow, like there there is something here with this group where they can play very differently and very uniquely as compared to other teams. Um what else is in my notes here? Oh, Sexton trying to take OG and Obi one-on-one was very fun fun to watch. Uh, that should make it into every highlight pack of this game. If you choose to watch some highlights of this game, I mean, honestly, it's preseason. I get it, right? But, um, yeah, Sexton trying to dribble one-on-one. He sees he got OG. He's like, all right, let me back it out. Let me put it through my legs a couple times. You know, I, I, could, I could take him. And ultimately, he tries to cross over, step back for the jumper, and OG just swats the shot, man. It, it was it, it was real impressive. Though I, I think the reason I actually put this in the notes, not only because OG about to make that block, but um, right afterwards, so OG was able to uh, block the shot and collect the loose ball and then try to, you know, take the other way for a break. And Sexton reached out and just grabbed OG on the arm, didn't make a play on the ball. And for me, I'm like, that's where the new rules have to come in, right? That's a take foul to stop the play in transition. Um, you see that all the time from from defend from guys who, you know, get embarrassed offensively by the by a great defensive effort, and then just take the foul instead of um, coming back on defense um, because they're beat at that point. That that's where the new rules should 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 come in to apply. I thought that was the big change this season. Uh, it wasn't like the refs weren't trying to call fouls. Trust me, the refs were practicing as well. They were blowing the whistle quite often for small infractions. I would say. But, uh, 
yeah, I was a little surprised that that uh, new rule didn't apply there. I think I maybe have to get familiarized a little bit more with how they want to legislate take fouls. But yeah, that should be a classic case where you get one foul shot and the ball um, moving forward. Um, what else is in my notes here? Precious Ochoa, he, his activity really stood out. I, I thought Precious was awesome. Uh, what a Precious finish with here. It's not as important, but uh, what a Precious finish with here. 10 points, 5 rebounds, right? Pretty standard Precious effort. 15 minutes, too, obviously. That, you know, that's pretty efficient in that time. I just thought his act- he was everywhere. Like, he was so noticeable. Very, very strong on his drives, as always. Um, a lot of straight line drives. Uh, a lot of just, like, making a quick decision and just taking and ripping and running with it. Right. And um, yeah, a couple times. I mean, he, I mean, first off, he had a poster dunk on, on, uh, on, on Walker Kessler, Kessler Walker. I, to be honest, his name sounds fine both ways. Okay. It's Walker Kessler for, to be, to be certain, but yeah, he, he, you know, was the five um, getting guarded by, by, by Walker. And he, immediately drove by him, got the step, and then the thing is, Precious isn't that big. Like, he is really only, like, 6'8". Um, I saw him signing to, next to Masai the other day, and I was like, okay, he's... I mean, like, when you when you see a 7-footer like Christian Coloco, like, you really notice it, right? With Precious, was like, he's, like... He is taller than Masai, but not by that much. And Masai's a tall guy, but still. Uh, my point is, though, he's, he's 6'8", trying to drive against a guy who is, like, 7'2". And so you really got to make up that gap and take it strong because even for a rookie, they'll probably still block you because they just have so much more length. And that's what exactly what Precious did, man. He, he uh, took it to the other side of the rim and he, he threw it down through, through the contest as well. So that's obviously the one that people are going to see, and, and rightfully so. That was a great play. But I just – I love the way Precious played. Even his misses were creating opportunities where, you know, there's one play where I think he had probably Kelly Olnick on him. Took him off the dribble, got to the basket, drew two extra defenders because he had beaten his man so badly. And even though he missed the layup, I thought, number one, he was able to get a decent look at a layup out of a possession where he went one-on-one. And then drawing the two defenders to him, that freed up Christian Coloco for the putback um, opportunity. And and Christian was able to score on that. Like, just love the way Precious played, man. And, And defensively, obviously, we know the effort is there. Uh, he went one for two on threes. Uh, he knocked down a triple that, to be honest, I thought he should have made the extra pass to Chris Boucher. Chris was open. Two guys were coming to Precious, including somebody who was in a decent position to contest, but Precious was able to knock it down. So it shows good confidence from him, but I, I probably in the future would love him to, to, to swing the ball in that situation. But, uh, yeah, I should really say two for three as well because he had another three where I don't know why Christian was called for a moving screen. I mean, he was standing there. Christian looked like he was moving because he's mm, – See, he lacks bulk, and so when a guy tries to run through a skinny guy on a screen, you know, the lost momentum, you know, large body hitting a small body kind of thing, like grade 11 physics kind of style, like, yeah, Coloco's going to move because he's skinny, uh, but it really had no impact on the play because the defender was so far behind and pressure was able to knock down a three. So it should really say two for three, but whatever. Again, preseason, all that stuff, really not time to complain about officials. Um, although I got to say, Nick Nurse... <laughs> being the, the as funny as he is man um i believe the the game clock read first quarter 11:36 left uh, on the clock and nick um the camera pan over to nick who was already complaining to the official about a loose ball foul that pascal had picked up uh previously um so yeah i mean i don't know i i guess if nick complains about officials it's it's fair game right but um 
So yeah, pressure's played really well. I really like that. Um, what else is here? Oh, Pascal spoon fed Christian Coloco for his first career basket. Obviously, this is preseason, right? So this doesn't technically count as his first career basket. But you know what? Honestly, man, you know you get paid for preseason games. So listen, um, yeah, congrats to Christian. That that's a great play. Uh, it was just it might have been the most normal play the Raptors ran all night. It was. Uh, a seven-footer coming over to set the screen for your primary ball handler. Uh, two guys step up to try to contain the ball handler, and Pascal uh, feeds Christian for uh, a wide-open uh, pick-and-roll layup. Like it, that's that's about as normal as the Raptors really get, and that's still with a guy who's six nine running the point. But uh, yeah, you know, I thought Christian overall played well. Um, you know, contested shots. You know, got on the offensive glass. Um, you know, what got got fouled, split a pair of free throws. Like he he was he was pretty good. He's pretty good. Exactly kind of what you expect. Um, I I still think that he needs to add more bulk. Uh, I still think that uh, you know, he's not a guarantee that he gets minutes, but you do start to see things where it's like, okay, he does add that extra element that um, you know, obviously on a good night, uh, he could provide. It's just whether or not he can consistently provide good nights because. You know, as, as a coaching staff, I, I would still be a little bit hesitant to trust him just because of the skinniness. That, that probably leads you to picking up more fouls, stuff like that. But uh, overall, Christian played well. Uh, also, a really weird thing. Um, and I guess it's not so weird if you've watched basketball like any later than the last five years, let's say. But uh, I saw something that just genuinely looked so strange in the modern game where um, Malachi broke down his defender. Malachi played well, too, actually. I got, got to give props to Malachi. Um, Malachi broke down his defender, got into the lane, uh, and the defender slid over from the corner, right? It's pretty standard stuff. And Malachi kicked it out to the corner. Now, the last, like, I don't know, man, six, maybe five seasons, I have seen from the Raptors when a guard gets into the lane, kicks out into the corner because the guy in the, the uh, guarding the corner man is, is, is sliding over for the help. That man is almost always shooting from the uh, the three-point line in the corner, right? Like, when you're talking about the corner, you're not even talking about two, a two-point shot. You're talking about in the corner. Malachi had that exact play. The defender slid over. Malachi kicked it out. And it was it was Christian Coloco spotting up from 18 feet along the baseline. And he, he missed a jumper. Um, you know, it, it didn't look super fluid. And uh, it was, well, short. But... It just struck me. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a play that I used to see all the time. Like, it, mentally, I'm like, oh, yeah, that actually is what normally would happen. Guards would drive in and kick it out. Like, the amount of times I've seen, like, Jose Calderon drive into the lane and then kick it out to Chris Bosh along the baseline from 18 feet. Like, that that was, like, half of Chris's buckets, it felt like. Um, and so, anyway, I guess my point is just, like, we don't really see spot-up mid-range shooting ever anymore. And it really shouldn't happen that much because... It is quite an inefficient shot, but uh, it does speak to I think Christian's uh, his comfort with with jumper right now. I think there is some optimism for him in terms of hitting wide open knockdown, top of the floor threes uncontested. Uh, he should be able to hit like maybe thirty three percent of those, but the other kind of shots, I mean, I was a little surprised. He should be in the corner for that, or even if he is playing the dunker, you should be catching the ball at the edge of the paint, taking one hard dribble, and then going up strong for a finish. Um, the 18 foot mid range jumper that is literally right in between the dunker spot for a layup and also the corner for a three is just a play that literally never happens anymore. And that's why I guess it stood out. But anyway, uh, 
what else in here? Scotty Barnes. So, I mean, look, listen, man, Scotty, I, I appreciate Scotty. He was trying to make a lot of highlights for the, the, the team, um, making a lot of uh, just making a good show for the for the people in Edmonton, man. I know, obviously, there's a lot of excitement. Obviously, he won Rookie of the Year. He's the most popular guy on the team right now. Um, and made some good plays. He had a turnaround jumper, you know, a couple of the good defensive rotations, uh, blocked a shot here or there, um, you know, got on the break a few times, you know. Got on the offensive glass, pesky, and, you know, just his usual Scotty stuff. But also in terms of usual Scotty stuff, so back-to-back turnovers on on look-away passes in transition where both of those should have been um, assists for layups. And both times he turned it over because he wanted to do the no-look pass. I mean, whatever. It's preseason. And and to me, I'm not the fun police. This is not any of that. Like Again, like I'm – just trust me. It's not one of those situations. It's also just like for me as, as someone who – Literally wants to win every game, including in preseason. I'm just like, look, just make the right play, man. Just make the right play. And if you're going to do the no-look pass, make sure you get the dime. Because otherwise, it just looks silly, especially on back-to-back possessions. Uh, Scotty also almost brought the house down with a uh, ridiculous attempt at a dunk at the end of the first half. He honestly, I think he, he had it. I don't know why, but he really took off. Like, I don't think he took a single dribble inside the three-point arc. Uh, but he just took off for a monster dunk with like two seconds left in, in the first half. He missed it. He crashed into the, the stands. He's fine, obviously. Um, and I think um, Chris Boucher got in for a putback right before the buzzer. But, uh, yeah, that would have been a great play if he, if he completed it. Um, what else in terms of my notes? Ken Birch, I thought he was very active. Um, you know, if you listened to the last episode on the channel before I left for Italy, um, you know, we, we I, I talked to Ken at Media Day and uh, I asked him about, obviously, his knee because that was, like, the big thing from him last season. And you know, he, he told me, he's like, look, game five, he jumped, he felt something weird. And basically from that point onwards, he was never healthy. He was very limited. He knew he needed surgery from that point onward. He ended up playing the rest of the season. There's a lot of time, but didn't obviously undergo surgery until uh, May when the Raptors were eliminated. And um, yeah, I mean, he's still not 100%, but when you look at him out there, it's like, yeah, that's an entirely different Ken Birch than the one we saw last year. Last year, Ken Birch was living up to the name, really moving, you know, slowly, very, very slowly. Yeah. And uh, it was like this wooden version of him that, like, was playing drop coverage defense and uh, wasn't able to jump and was never looking to shoot. I mean, it's not like I want Ken Birch to be looking for a shot, but if you're playing and if you're in the pick and roll and if the ball comes to you, like, at least you got to – you know, look at the basket, which I think there were things that he didn't do last year. More importantly, the defensive end, like he's not an immobile big. That's the weird thing was they were only playing drop coverage with him as if he was like JV in the pick and roll or something. It's like, he's just not that kind of guy. Like he really isn't. I mean, I guess you theoretically could play that with him as you could with most bigs, but one of the chem's advantages is that he's mobile and he's able to get to the perimeter. He's able to sort of slide his feet. I'm not saying he's going to switch out there like Draymond either, but you know, again, there, there is some, like positive utility in his athleticism. And he just couldn't show that last year. And today um, it, I'm a little surprised to see the box were say one for five. I actually thought he played really well. Um, I thought he uh, was very active on the offensive glass, got himself to the free throw line a couple of times. Uh, he took two threes. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm, my, my stream must have lagged at those points when he took those threes. But um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. The activity on the basket is making plays, you know, uh, a couple of verticality stops as well. Um, it's it's just it was very noticeable. It's not like he, he he tore it up or anything like that, but very noticeable as compared to last season. Um, 
And then, honestly, past that, man, it, it was a lot of garbage time, but still for a lot of these guys, like, it's very important minutes. Like, Juancho came in, you know, knocked down some threes. <clears throat> I think physically he looked a little bit slower than the rest of the group. Um, and so, you know, I think probably for him it's sort of maybe catching up. I know he did play, obviously, the, the Eurobasket turn, uh, and and he won it for Spain, um, literally, in, in the final game, knocking down six threes. Was a was a true joy to watch. Six or seven, he might have, he might have hit seven threes. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He it also looks like he might have like really enjoyed himself in Spain afterwards, as you would celebrating something like that, right? So he looked a little slower than the rest of the group. That's fine. Um, knocked down a three, banked it in. There's a lot of enthusiasm from the crowd too. I think the movie really helps, obviously, in that front. Uh, what else? Delano looked amazing uh, in transition. Um, obviously, there's some other parts of this game that, you know, you might say, well, okay, palming the ball, getting called for palming violations. Like, that's weird. But, um, yeah, the end-to-end fast break stuff is is truly special for him. Like, there's there's plays where he's able to beat two, three guys down the floor, man. Like, like obviously, he's a big target as any guy who's 6'9 and athletic would be. But it's the ball handling and ability to move that fast and then change uh, directions, you know, midway in transition it's it's very fun to watch it's it's one of my favorite things to watch about the raptors is when delano gets that chance to sort of lead the break and and most likely finish man he might be one of the raptors best players in transition and that's saying a lot because like most of the raptors players are really good in transition but i I love the way delano plays in transition uh not to be outdone i thought malachi did really well um first off got really scrappy uh and forced a couple of loose balls including an instance where he sort of tuck a shot to the face. We'll see what the update is there. I think he'll be fine. Um, but he did come out of the game. It was examined. But, yeah, knocked down two uh, threes, knocked down a mid-range pull-up, was real smooth with everything that he was doing and, uh, you know, showed some confidence, as you as you should, honestly, in preseason, man. Like, if you see the, a guy like Donalano who you're competing for minutes and he's, you know, taking it end-to-end the way that Malachi really could never do just based on him being smaller – Always show something to to Coach Nick that like you know Malachi can, or that that Delano can't do like Delano can't knock down jumpers the way Malachi can right so I like that both of those guys showcase what they have in in the positive aspect uh, and then yeah even the third stringers coming in man everybody got a bucket Ron Harper got a bucket Gabe Brown got a bucket I'm not sure whose release is lower between the two of those guys uh, they're both kind of shooting from like the shoulders down it feels like between Ron and Gabe um, Jeff Down you know. Did his thing, I guess. A few more turnovers than I kind of expected from him, but whatever. It's preseason. Uh, DJ Wilson is solid. And then, yeah, Josh Jackson, who I don't think there's been any hype for, and maybe there shouldn't be too much because we have seen a lot of him in the NBA, and it's been a lot of, like, inefficient scoring. But today, I I thought he made some pretty good decisions. Uh, A lot of it was in transition. A lot of it was sort of um, within the flow of the offense. His activity on defense was solid, was making the right rotations. And... You know, end of the game where he could have easily broke away for a dunk. He he dumped it off to Gabe Brown, who would, I, I don't think he had a bucket at that point. And uh, just to sort of get his teammate on board, like, that's, you know, that's nice, man. You know, look, you, when you finish a game with everybody scoring, um, you know, you should uh, you should feel proud as a team. So uh, to wrap it up, the three stars. Um, first star for me is going to go to Precious. Uh, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Sats don't really matter in these situations, but uh, yeah, he just played really well. Uh, I love the force and emphasis that he played with. No hesitation. And uh, yeah, just looked like a continuation of what he did at the end of last season. Second star for me is going to go to Chris Boucher, who had 11 and 10. Um, that combo of Chris and Precious off the bench last season was great. And uh, once again, it was great. A lot of that is him them getting on the offensive glass. 
But yeah, Chris was just in the right spots, man. Made the right plays, knocked down a three as well. A typical Chris Boucher stat line, honestly, man. You know, you got a block, you got a steal, you got ten rebounds, four offensive, knocked down a three, only fourteen minutes. Like I know it's preseason, but the production is very strong, uh, and he's he just plays well within that group. It's it, you know, it's it's a little bit similar to. Not the on-ball stuff, obviously, that Scotty does, but the off-ball stuff that Scotty does in terms of attacking the glass, in terms of cutting in, in terms of ducking in for layups, in terms of, um, you know, just filling in uh, around creators. I think Chris has done a really good job with that, and he's found a nice role. Uh, good performance here tonight. And then third star, honestly, it's hard for me to decide. I'm just going to give it collectively to the backup point guards, Delano Banton and, and Malachi Flynn. Uh, may the best 6'9 player win because that's how the Raptors operate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Delano, man, 4 of 6 from the field for 9 points or Malachi, 3 of 5 from the field with two threes for 8 points. We'll take it or leave it. But both guys were great and uh, both showed out in the second half of the Raptors completely smacked up the Jazz. Uh, your Gerald Henderson Award winner is going to go to Laurie Markinen. 20 points in 25 minutes. Um, man, he was great. He was really great. He was knocking out every shot. Looking good. I don't know if anyone else on that Jazz team looked impressive. By the way, I was – so, first off, f- totally forgot that Taylor Horn Tucker uh, was was on that team. Um, you know, the guy that I've been calling Tim Horn Tucker uh, as an unfunny joke for a while. But, yeah, when Taylor Horn Tucker checked in the game, first off, I was like – Oh, that's right. He was traded for Patrick Beverly. Remember him? The Lakers were refusing to give up him for Kyle Lowry. And then the more I watched it, I was like, damn, were the Raptors really going to try trade Kyle Lowry for Taylor Horn Tucker? Because first off, I'd much rather have Precious and Thad uh, <laughs> than this. And second of all, I was like, what is going on? I've never seen a young player make the transition to, to old man Paul Pierce like body like that quickly, man. Like, it was it was strange to see, and and he had no burst, was missing a whole bunch of shots at the rim. He was running the third unit, like it, it was looking nasty for THT. So um, I, I guess yeah, it's a good thing the Raptors didn't actually get the Lakers to trade for THT. Sometimes you know, honestly, funny thing with Kyle Lowry is the best Kyle Lowry trades are literally the ones that you don't make, whether that's to to to, to the New York Knicks way back in the day or literally in twenty twenty one when um, the the Lakers for some reason didn't want Kyle because. Yeah, I don't know, man. If THT was going to be the grand prize, yeah, it's, that's tough, man. Uh, okay, that does it for the Reaction Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, again, I'm not sure how many of these will come out. Uh, it, I am on vacation, and the time difference, I think that's the most significant part um, beyond the, the actual vacation portion. is just like it, it, these games are real late, right? So this is like 2 a.m. on the Amalfi Coast, and I'm talking about the uh, preseason game between the Utah Jazz and the Toronto Raptors. Like, uh you know, we'll see if there are more of these. But uh, for me, you know, I'm a sicko and uh, this is what I love to do. So if you do see another React Pod, don't be surprised. But if you don't see one, please understand why that these aren't coming out. But uh, as for the show content, I, like I said in the last episode, Alex has got you covered. So, you know, look out for one or two pods a week. And then, yeah, the show officially is back on air October 17th. I've said that a hundred times. But uh, if you haven't heard it already or if you already know, tell your friends. And um, yeah, season two of the Raptor Show coming soon.